pastor asked me a few weeks back to, uh, maybe about three, maybe three to four weeks ago, he asked me just randomly, would you, would you speak at, at the conference? And I said, really? You want me to speak at the conference? He said, yep. And so I started to, to pray and think about um, what to preach on. And uh, then the next thing I heard, he said, oh, Dr. Gibbs is coming. I said, you still need me to preach? He said, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> oh, I was like, yes, all right. And um, so the pressure was off. And then last week he said, look, Dr. Gibbs is not coming. I'm like, you still want me to preach? I said, look, if there's any other pastors here that you want, want to use instead, feel free to do that. And he prayed about it. He said, no, I want you to preach on Wednesday. And that was just last week. And so I'd, uh, I opened to the passage where I had started to think about and, and, and I pray about. And um, I'd, I guess I'd found, a, I thought, a really good outline. I thought, well, that, that's going to be great. It, it, it's, it's easy and everything else. And I'd started to think. And then this last weekend, during the middle of the night, I woke up and the thoughts from my head was not what I had been planning for. And uh, God has done that many, many, many times. Middle of the night, I get woken up and I've learned to just write things down. Uh, I'll just use the light on my phone and I'll write some things down or I'll put it in my diary and, and uh, I'll make some notes so I can look at it in the next morning. And then over this week, um, things started to change even further and further to what we've got now. And it was never my intention to have the message like this and so I really don't know what God will do with this and it's, it's for me, a little bit different and I hope uh, you guys will see it in the light that it's presented in. It's, it's, it's not anything new or special, but it's just something, uh, it's partly practical, it's partly about me or uh, it's got some illustrations from me and I hope this will be a blessing. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 14 down to 19. The Bible says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When I had read verse, that thought I was thinking and, and, and reading through, when I got to verse 19, that thought be filled with all the fullness of God, with, with all the fullness of God, was the thing that got my attention originally. And we will think about that this morning. But I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to help me um, because I'm not a pastor, I'm not a missionary, I am an evangelist, but, but I am just a church member. And I want you to think about that as, as we go through the thoughts this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity uh, to preach and uh, I know there are more men more, more capable here this morning, but Lord, you've allowed me to do this and I pray that you would uh, you just help me to speak what you've shown me and, and what you've helped me to settle on. And I pray that you would use it for your glory and may you uh, please bless it, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In this particular passage, um, the Apostle Paul starts with, uh, I guess, a wonderful prayer 
that, that he has for those at the church at Ephesus. Um, verse 14, he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's bowing, he's getting ready to pray. And uh, he, he prays the following things. But I want you to note that the things that he prays for, we can't earn these things. They are granted by God according to his riches and glory. We notice uh, in verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. So Paul starts this prayer and he says in verse 16, he says, um, the first thing he mentions is that he wants them to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. There's been no, uh, I guess, greater day that we ourselves, uh, we need to be strengthened in our inner man. Um, I think naturally we're weak by the flesh. In the flesh we are weak men um, and we do need to be strengthened. And in this day and age with, with so much of the world and so much temptation and, and so much to influence us, we do need the strength of the inner man. And that's through the Holy Spirit. You know, um, when we get saved, the Bible talks about we're just like babies and we grow. And we're supposed to learn and we're supposed to be strengthened. Um, our physical bodies, we need to be nourished and we need to be strengthened. The inner man is exactly the same thing. So, so the Apostle Paul starts out with a great thought, a great way to pray for, uh, for the church there at Ephesus, that they need to be strengthened with, um, with might by his spirit in the inner man. God needs to do something. And now those of you who are pastors, I want you to think about these things because um, we heard this week that you need to know your people. You need to know your church. Your church, your, your church members need to be strengthened in the inner man. So, so the prayer starts off really good. And then as we go into verse 17, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Here's the next part of that. Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Christ needs to have total control over the hearts of his people. It needs to be that way. Um, unfortunately, and, and what we will see very shortly, that often isn't the case. There are a lot of other things in control of the hearts of the people. Galatians 2.20 says, um, we can turn there if, if you like. Um, Galatians 2.20 says... I am crucified with Christ. Sorry, jumped along too far there. Galatians 2.20 says, um, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here we have, here we have that living, uh, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. He's the one that needs to be in control. So there's another great thought, a great thought of this prayer, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And in doing that, when Christ does dwell in our hearts by faith, it continues on in verse 17, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. I don't know about you, but I naturally don't love people. I, I, I heard it, uh, I'm not sure which, which preacher said it this week, but they made a comment that it's easy to love people that you have feelings for. Okay, you, you, you find someone that you get along with, that you naturally gel with, and it's easier to love them. But naturally, we just don't love everybody. People annoy us, people are different, there are different, uh, and there are different types of people, different types of personalities, and naturally, we just don't love everybody. But the love of Christ is something that, uh, if Christ is dwelling within us, 
we should be now being, uh, we should be rooted and grounded in love. And that's what Paul's prayer is. Another great thing to pray for. And then as we get into verse 18, if we're, if we're rooted and grounded in love, we can now, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth and height of Christ's love. What a great thought to pray for. That, that, that your people of your church can be uh, rooted and grounded in the love of Christ and then s- start to understand the great uh, heights and depth and breadth of Christ's love in their lives. What a great prayer. Aren't you glad that Christ loves us even when we fail? Even when we say that, that dumb thing? Even when we think that wrong thought? Even when we make a mistake? Even when we're unkind? Even when we are forgetful and we become lazy and we become slack? The love of Christ, is, it abounds. We just can't imagine it. If people were slack to you or lazy to you or around you, and if you employed someone and they were slack and lazy, when our children do the wrong thing, we, uh, we do love them, but things agitate us. We, we don't naturally have that love of Christ. But Paul prays, this is the thing that I want to pray for, that the Ephesian church needs to have these things developed in their lives. And then he gets through, through down to verse 19 and he culminates it all into one thing. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, then he says, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. That's pretty deep. Put your hand up if you've got all the fullness. If you've learnt completely everything about God and, and everything about God is in you and you understand it and you're walking 100% right. I don't think any of us can, obviously. We know that. But that's the prayer of the Apostle Paul. That's what he is praying for. This certainly sounds like something that each one of us would want to have in ourselves and in the members of our church. But so often it's not the reality of what your church members are like. And this is where, to me, it's a little bit different to preach like this. But as a church member... I want to tell you what what goes on in in the hearts and lives of people. Because this happens day in and day out. And and a lot of this is is me. Because I have to examine myself. People are so often not filled with the fullness of God, but they're so often filled with so many other things. So many other things. And some of these things I want to draw to your attention now... I know because you're pastors and, and, and I know you've probably been in the ministry a long time and you understand these things, but I want you to be reminded of these things. If you can know your people better, if you can understand, and as we go some of these, through some of these things, you may have pictures of people's minds in your, uh, that will come to mind. You can pray for them and you can see this is really where they're at and if you can understand this, then maybe you can work in your ministries maybe slightly different to get to the point where the fullness of God has started to be developed in their lives. We think so often that if they just come and listen, it'll it'll all just happen magically. If Christ is there, if Christ dwells within them, Christ wants it to be developed, but it does take time. So the first way people are filled is is so often, and this is, I guess, a big portion of what I'm going to talk about, is they're filled with self. Instead of being filled with the, uh, with the fullness of God, 
So often, people are so often filled with self. Do you understand that people are so often consumed with feelings? Consumed with feelings. The average church member often gets disappointed. I'm going to make a bold statement. For me personally, some of the most times or, or the biggest times of being disappointed in life haven't been in the workplace, haven't been in the family, they've been at church. Can you imagine that? As a Christian, as a church member, some of the biggest disappointments I've ever had have been at church. Now, I've been to several churches, so some of the statements I might make, you might go, oh, I wonder where, where that was. But there are, there are several times things have happened, people have said things, decisions have been made, things have been done, and I've been disappointed. Now, if I can get disappointed, imagine what your average church member just like me, in your church, can often feel. Our disappointments come when our expectations don't get met. I've seen people get disappointed and, and show the disappointment over many things. I remember once in a church, and, and I'm going to use that statement a lot because I don't want you to think where it was. I remember once in a church, um, I mean, you know in your church, if you, if you stand at the pulpit and you look at, at it from where your church is, you kind of know where everyone sits. Brother so-and-so and his family sit over there and that, uh, that, that aged couple sit back there and the teenagers sit right at the back and you kind of know where their chairs are. I remember seeing one church member at a church where they come in, they come through the door and they, they walk to where they normally sit and somebody was in their spot. Now, you would normally sit near or you'd choose another spot. But this particular church member was so disappointed that someone was in his seat that this church member just stood there. So this is the chair. And I, and I watched the person sitting in the chair. They were, they were sitting there and it was like... So finally they got so weirded out that they, they moved across or they got up and they just moved to another chair and then he sat down. People can get disappointed. I've seen little things like that. I've seen churches get disappointed when, when Queensland loses state of origin. I've seen it, like the disgust and, and, and the feeling of, of great loss. Disappointments happen. People can get disappointed when they don't get that promotion, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's at church. You, you promote somebody to a leader of a ministry and you notice that, that someone else thought that maybe they were going to get that position or maybe they thought that, that they would have been more suited than that person and people can get disappointed. Maybe, that's, uh, maybe you've experienced that. Sometimes it can be a decision made by the church or the pastor that can disappoint you. I'm going to share something very honest. I've never shared with many people before. There was a decision made once by, by a pastor where I was the youth leader and at the end of the year, the pastor announced that someone else was taking over and I never got told about it. And I was gobsmacked that nothing was mentioned, nothing was said. 
great disappointment, great feeling of loss, great feeling of what is going on. And, and that was fine. I kept it in. I, I didn't complain. I didn't whinge. This is many, many years ago. I never, obviously I told my wife, she was obviously aware of it. And, but disappointments can happen. And you may not even know that they're happening. You may think that the decisions you're making, and they may be the right decisions. And in this case, this was probably the right decision. I accept that from God. But sometimes your church members aren't being filled with the fullness of God. They're being filled with disappointments, being filled with themselves. They're consumed with their own feelings. And sometimes these disappointments can, can go... A little bit further, we're going, to, we're going to look at discouragements in, in just a minute. But our disappointments happen when our expectations don't get met. Disappointments can happen when others disappoint us. Put your hand up if you've, if you've ever been disappointed by somebody. How people... Who's ever been treated poorly? Well, I have. Unfortunately, I've probably treated people poorly as well. I've probably done under disappointing. But sometimes people don't treat us well even here at church. Something happens. I mean, someone thinks sorts one with each other. There's an argument. There's a disagreement. Someone thinks this should happen. Someone thinks that that should happen. And then they don't speak to each other. And then there's disappointment. And then there's problems. These are the, these are the common occurrences that may happen in church. How about when people speak to us incorrectly? I remember first starting out when I was preaching, going back um, many years ago, I remember um, studying. I was only a young man, just, uh, just I'm newly married. We're in a church in Sydney. I, w- I won't say w- w- which one, but I was in the church and I uh, actually got a preacher's notes and he shared me with, uh, I was asking him about a passage and he shared with me his notes and I looked at oh, this is really good and I, I kind of worked with it and I, I used some of it and I put it all together I spent time in preparation and I, I got the opportunity to speak at this church and I delivered the sermon and I thought, I felt really good about it and then a brother in Bible college came and said, well, that was good for a Sunday school lesson. Disappointment from a brother in Christ. I'm, ser- I'm doing my best to serve and, and to do the best that I can for the Lord and oh, it was all right for a Sunday school lesson. Things people say to us, things that are said in your churches can disappoint and it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. So people can disappoint us. And then, I've already kind of mentioned this, even our own actions can disappoint us. I have to admit there have been times where I have done things, said things, acted in certain ways, have hurt people. I've disappointed people. I've disappointed pastors. And, and I apologise for that. But even my own actions, I disappoint myself when I think back of the some of the things I'm reminded of. You know what happens when I see those pastors I know I've disappointed? The thought comes back. I disappointed that person. I hurt that person. I didn't live up to what they thought I would be. I made a mistake. I erred. I did whatever. And those disappointments come back even by my own actions. 
So your church is filled with people who are filled with disappointments. And then as, then as things are not resolved or, or things are deeper than just the disappointment, they become, dis, they become discouragements. People get discouraged by the actions of others. When people sin in the church, it can be a great discouragement. It can be a disappointment, but it can go further. And your church members can be discouraged. I know there have been several occasions where people... Um, have been involved in, in what we, call, we would call gross sins or really bad sins and have to come before the church and, and, and either be disciplined or sometimes they've left on their own accord. But those things can cause great discouragement among your people. And then when people do leave the church, it doesn't have to be for sin, but when they just make a decision to leave... In this church, I will mention this for this church. I won't mention names, but I will, I will mention. For many years, I had three great friends here at church. Three great, uh, uh, three great brothers who I still love. And one by one, they left. And I remember saying to my wife, I said... I said, my friends are gone. I was very discouraged. I was very saddened. And there are people who, in your churches, who get discouraged by the actions of others. People leave the church. I made a comment recently to someone, not in a, in a bad way, but just in just a conversation. And they were in the same place. I was just saying that... Um, Sometimes you feel a little bit of disconnect within church. Especially in a bigger church, you have a lot of people and people thrive in groups and people get together who, with people of like um, interests and ages. Now, I'm in, I'm in a bit of a group where there's not a lot of really young guys like myself. <laughs> but now that my three friends are gone, who I spend a lot of time with... We ministered together. We spent time outside of church together. I look around and I think, okay, I minister with different people. Like I'm, in, I'm involved with the music ministry. So there are people that I mix with because they're in ministry. But they're not my close personal friends. They already have their friends. And I made a comment just recently that, that said, now that, I, uh, now that my, my three friends are gone, I don't feel like, like I've got a close set of friends anymore. And it's easy just to, um, what's the word? Um, it's easy just to just cruise along in church because you're involved in ministry and still feel disconnected. And that's not a blight on anyone. I mean, like, I can try and friend more people, uh, befriend more people, but, but sometimes you just get used to that. You just get used to doing your thing and, and you've got your family. And, and, uh, but you've got people in your church just like that. You've got people who are hurting and discouraged. And then you've got the people in your church that, that, that get discouraged because it's just of general work and family pressures. Sometimes you know about the family pressures. Sometimes you don't. You'll have the church member who will ring you up about everything. But then you'll have the church member who will just hold it in. They don't want to be a burden. They don't want to hinder 
your Sunday preparation and, and, and they will hold the problems of family or the problems of work or their financial issues or sometimes even ministry issues. Sometimes you just don't want to tell the pastor about it because you don't want to be seen as either weak or a problem and you have people who are, who are discouraged. And then disappointment can lead to discouragement and then thirdly, that can lead to being dazed or confused. Some people in your church may be, may be, may be considering if, if they should stay in your church just through the disappointments and discouragements and the way that they're consumed with their feelings and, and, and they're being filled with, with what's going on around them and instead of being filled with the fullness of God, the things that they're filled with are now possibly leading them to look somewhere else, either to find another church or even potentially stop going to church. Isn't it? It's sad when people go to another church because they either not, they feel they're not getting their needs met or something happens with a brother or sister. That's one thing that they go to another church. But when they just stop going to church, yeah. that's sad. Yeah. And there are people in your church just like that. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know who to go to. So they get confused. They're discouraged. They're disappointed because something's happened. That's, that their needs didn't get met or, or their expectation wasn't fulfilled. And they think, well, this isn't the church for me. So they move and they don't know what to do. So there are people filled with self. <clears throat> there are people filled with stuff. People filled with stuff. I want you to think about this. There are, there are some people in your church that are, that are going to be consumed with the outward. What their eyes can see, they're in pursuit of. There are people who are focused. Um, there are people who are driven people who, who want the best in life. There are people who want more and more. And I think was kind of, that was kind of mentioned uh, through the meetings uh, um, this week already. There are, um, there are people who are so filled with self that they just want to have more and more and more. It's a continuation of self and my own desire. There are people who, who, will, who will put their families at risk there are people who will put their ministries at risk because they want more and more and more. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that one's me, but it's, it's, it's just people who are filled with stuff. They're consumed with, with what's on the outward. But then there are people who are consumed with what's on the inward. And, there, and these are some of the people who are consumed with self. But what life throws at me is how I feel and, 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 and how I deal with it is everyone gets to... Everyone gets to see it. Um, for some people, this becomes their identity. A lot of people who get health problems, a lot of, uh, not always, but some people, that becomes their identity. People, knows them, people know them as the sick person or the, or the sick family. I know even with my own family, my wife, I told her I was going to mention this and she didn't hit me. Some of you might know my wife has, has some health conditions. You might see me help her up the stairs. It's not that she's really old, but she has some, she has some issues with, uh, with her immune system. So she has several conditions she's had for many years, 10, 12, 15 years. She has lupus. 
She has uh, arthritis, which is the, uh, um, partly the issue for her knees. If you were to listen carefully, if, if I was to put the microphone up to her knees when she's coming up the stairs, you would cringe of the, of the grating noise that it, it makes. But there are multiple other things that we don't tell people about because it's, it's, it, it's a personal thing. But we, 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 we work hard. We've decided together we don't want to become the family that's just known for always having problems. I told Pastor, um, Pastor Halana that when he came. We, in chatting with him, the family's gone through some things through, through um, both family issues, health issues. And I said to him, I said, I don't want, we don't want to be that family that every time you speak to us, it's just a problem. We don't want to be that family. But there are people in your church who they do get consumed with it and, 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 they, and, they're, and they're always looking for your time, always looking for advice, always looking to, for you to fix the problems. And there are going to be people like that because they're consumed with the inward. They're consumed with what's going on in their life and they forget what's going on in somebody else's life. There are people who are consumed with the backward. They just can't seem to let go of the past and can never move on. The Bible says that we're supposed to press toward the mark. We're supposed to forgetting those, those things on which are behind and pressing forward um, to the mark. That's what we're supposed to do. But so many people get caught up in either the problems of the past or the sins of the past and they just can't seem to let those things go. God can't forgive me. God will never accept me the way I am or... Um, I can't be used in ministry because I made a mistake over here. And that's their identity. That's them now. Everyone's going to know me for this and I can't move forward. There are people like that within your church. There are people like that everywhere. And there are people who are never consumed with the upward, unfortunately, and that's obviously they should be consumed with Christ. But because of the stuff that they're filled with, Christ becomes on the back burner. He takes the second place. And again, self becomes on the throne of our life instead of Christ. And then the third and final thing, I want to try and finish as quickly as possible because I know you want to have a look at the print press, is that there are people in your church who are filled with sin. There are people that are filled with sin. Multiple types of sin. It can be secret sins, it can be even outward sins, it can be small sins, it can be big sins, it can be a whole range of things. But you've got to understand, we know the term, we're, we know the term that, we're, that we are all sinners, we, we understand that. I know if, we, if we've been saved, we've been forgiven. But sometimes there are things that just drag through life. They never ever seem to get dealt with. They always seem to drag people down. They drag us down. They weigh us down. They follow us wherever we go. They try to get worked on and yet they still keep popping their heads up. Issues, anger management, jealousy, lust, uh, gambling, uh, all sorts of things. You'd be surprised what your church is made up of. You'll be surprised what your church is made up of. People with sin problems. Each one of us are prone to have problems of sin. 
I'm prone to have problems with sin, just like each one of you. And that's what your churches are made up of. People who are filled with sin, yet you may just not know about it just yet. I want you to understand these things because we like the thought of being filled with the fullness of God and being rooted and grounded in love and we like that side of it and it should be that way and people should be developing to get like that and that's the journey but the reality of most people on any given day are often filled with other things and it can be sin. Now sin obviously is a problem because it removes the power of God's filling so often we have powerless Christians in our church because they're, they're not walking the way God wants them to walk. They're not walking in the spirit, they're walking in the flesh. They're walking in their sin. Sin reinforces being filled with self, as I've talked about before. We're back on the throne again as well. And then it, often sin will restrict our ability to serve God. If you haven't got a ton of assistant um, pastor potential in your church. It could be just sin is restricting what you've got available. If you don't have great leaders being developed all the time, it could be because the people aren't growing like they're supposed to. They could be filled with so many other things. So I want those things that Paul prayed about for the Ephesians Christians to be in my life. I really do. I believe you want those things for your people too. As I mentioned, it was preached this week that you need to know your people. Well, this is a taste of what you probably have in your church. But there is some hope. I want to leave you with this thought. Ephesians 3 verse 20. says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. We have a God who, just like Paul was praying for the Ephesian church, if we continue to pray for our church members, if we continue to pray for ourselves and pray for those within your church, that, that God would start to do these things, that God would strengthen those people who are filled with self, and filled with sin, and filled with stuff, if God would start to strengthen their inner man, the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that we ask or think. If we just make an effort and continue to pray for our folk, not just, oh, please bless so-and-so, or please bless this, or fix this, or fix that, but genuinely, have you noticed those prayers are a lot different to the prayers that we often pray? Do you often pray for the strengthening of the inner man of your church members and that they'll be rooted and grounded in love and, and they'll know the great depths of Christ's love? Is that how you pray? Or do we get into the habit of we have a big list so we, Lord, help them in this marriage or help them in this and, and that's just generalised? But if we learn to pray for them in, I guess, in specific ways, then God says he is... Uh, he can, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We have a God who still can and still wants to work in your church and your church members today, even further than you can ever imagine.
even further than, than you can ever imagine. Imagine what our churches would be like and our church members' lives would be like if they would start to have those things that they're currently filled with overtaken with the fullness of God, start to be filled with the fullness of God. I hope that's a a help for you today. Um, As I said, I don't know why it went that way. It wasn't what I was planning. But I'm going to leave it there. I'm not sure. Pastor Hernan, I'll let you finish with that. And thanks for the opportunity.